This is the MindShift Podcast, where we share real stories, real strategies that will help you find real success. This is the place to hear from people just like you who have taken their ideas, goals, and dreams from a point of inspiration to realization, or when life knocked them down, from a point of breakdown to breakthrough. I'm your host, Daryl Evans. Let's get started with today's episode. If you want to succeed faster as a service-based entrepreneur, here are my five best books for service-based entrepreneurs that were written over 15 years ago that are still relevant today. If this is your first time here, welcome to the MindShift Business Show. My name is Daryl Evans. I am your host. I am the co-founder and CEO of a digital marketing agency called Yoko Local. And over the last uh, 11 or 12 years now, we've been helping companies grow to the tune of over $300 million in revenue. But I've also been an entrepreneur since the age of 20, and I've started six successful service-based businesses. I was on a podcast recently, and someone asked me what, what one of the best investments I'd ever made in my business over the last 30 years. My answer was my own personal development. What do I mean by that? Well, one thing no one will ever take away from you as an entrepreneur is what you put in your mind. And so my answer to him was very simply, the best investment, not the most money, but the best investment I've ever put into myself as a, as a business owner is what I've done in my own personal development. And today I want to talk to you about the five best books I would read if I were you as a service-based entrepreneur today. So let's dive in. The first book is Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. Some of you are familiar with the Rich Dad Poor Dad series. And, and of course, Kiyosaki is legendary. But we learned in Rich Dad Poor Dad that the, the four quadrants that he broke down are the E quadrant, the S quadrant, the B quadrant, and the I quadrant. One of the things when I read this book back in 2001, I remember being in the S quadrant and I had a definition because of Kiyosaki. I got a definition for what I was experiencing at that point, but I also got a vision for the future as to what it looked like to transition to the other quadrant called the B quadrant and eventually the investor quadrant, which is where I try to live most of my life today. That being said, when you're starting a business, and anyone can, but one thing I learned back then, especially as a service-based entrepreneur, was that I was often trapped in the business. I didn't have systems. If it was going to get done, it had to get done by me. Maybe even I had one or two or three people on my team or my company, but it seemed like we were still just working harder and harder and harder to serve our clients. What I learned about the B Quadrant, which I'll summarize here, and again, I recommend you pick this book up. Links will be in the description below so you can get an easy access to it. And that was to create a business that had systems to be run by people, not me as the entrepreneur. And what's interesting about that is when you're a service-based entrepreneur, a lot of times you're working face-to-face -face with those clients. And so you're really close to the acquisition of the customer. You're close to the fulfillment of the service of the customer and the post-level of uh, service or what we call delighting the customer for lifetime value. Well, you've got to change your mindset about being in the S quadrant because it just means you own a job. And in many cases, you can make a lot of money owning the job. What we want to talk about and what I loved about this book was it helped my framework over the last 22 years now since I read this book to, to make sure I was constantly evaluating my actions to get into the B quadrant. Number two, the seven habits of highly effective people. I mean, there couldn't possibly have been a better name for a book and why you should read it. <laughs> if you're an entrepreneur, don't you want to be effective? <laughs> well, there's seven habits, right? What Two of the habits that I'll talk about here, you should pick up the book to, to go through all seven of them. One of them was beginning with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. You know, if you hang around the mindship business 
environment for any, any length of time, you'll know that we are always talking about how to go from inspiration to realization and when life knocks us down from breakdown to breakthrough. Beginning with the end in mind is very much this idea of being able to see something in advance of its real existence. That's my takeaway from it. From a spiritual standpoint, even, it's like, do you have the vision for something that wasn't even there? I remember hearing many years ago, Jim Rohn saying, when should you start construction on the home? And he said, as soon as it's built. And I was like, what are you talking about? And it was really a concept that I think came out of this book uh, by Stephen Covey in that you must begin with the end in mind. In order for us to build something, we have to actually see the finished product. We have to be seeing how our business is going to grow. We have to see the future of our, of our organization. You can't just do it after you see it, right? And so when I think about this book and, and a number of the great principles that come out of this book, uh, beginning with the end in mind, sharpening the saw, right? I mean, look, if you're not constantly getting better at yourself, getting yourself better as an entrepreneur, as a parent, as a friend, as a colleague, as a leader, you are going to end up having that erosion of pressure on your shoulders that's going to erode away at your passion. And so a number of great things came out of the book, very powerful lessons. It's all about that personal development for yourself as an entrepreneur and as a leader. I would highly recommend as a book number two, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Book number three, Good to Great by Jim Collins. When I came, when I came across this book, uh, 2004, 2005, maybe 2006, the subtitle is Why Some Companies Make the Leap and others don't. You know, I, I've been now in the, I've been blessed to now work with hundreds and hundreds, uh, close to probably a thousand companies now, whether consulting, running uh, marketing and sales as their agency of record, uh, or just teaching them through our coaching and consulting and, and educational program. And the interesting thing about what I hear is people are stuck in being a good company, but there's a couple of critical things that are keeping them from taking the leap. One of the key things you'll pick up out of this book that I learned, I mean, I stick, it sticks in my mind and I say it on a regular basis. That is, as you think about even going to the B quadrant, going back to cash flow quadrant, you've got to make sure that when you start building a team, you've got to get the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus, and the right butts in the right seats. One of the things that I learned out of that book was just this how bigger companies, and by the way, many of these companies, you can look at the book and say, oh, those companies aren't relevant today, or you know, maybe something's changed. It doesn't matter. The principles are the same. Right people on the bus, wrong people off the bus, right butts in the right seat. So often, I remember back in the early 2000s when I first um, was hiring, I remember just needing to get someone on the team to help me out. I needed to get people on the team to do some of the things to take the load off myself. Well, that's the wrong way to go about it if you don't have a clear path of what you need that person to do. And what I've learned so many years now later is that there's a way to align that person's skill set and their gift with the job at hand that's needed to be done in your company. Right. So another big key component out of good to great was a concept called the hedgehog concept. Now, I'm not going to explain that all here, but it's literally uh, the, the synergy of finding out what you're best in the world at and just focusing on that. So often we get so pulled left and right with all the different things going on in the world, in the marketplace, that we try to do too much for people in our quest to serve them and build a business. The hedgehog concept is one of those concepts that make you get laser focused on what you can be best in the world at. You know, look, in my, in my world, my methodologies, my, my models for business growth and customer acquisition and sales, and they fit a lot of different industries. But what we have made a committed decision about 
is to make sure we stay laser focused with companies that have service-based business models. Now, service software as a service is a service, but it is software, but so that falls under my umbrella. But what we are not great at is we're not the biggest product um, agency. We're, we don't have a ton of e-commerce companies that come to work with us. A lot of them are coaches, our professional service providers, our local business owners who provide professional services, engineers, doctors, you can name it, coaches, speakers, authors, those people who provide some sort of service to their customer or their client. And that's a concept of being laser focused. One of the concepts I picked up out of the book, which is why I recommend it as book number three on my five best books to read as a service-based entrepreneur. Book number four, Getting Things Done by David Allen. And I can remember so well back in the day when I was struggling with uh, working from about seven, six, seven in the morning until like 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. This book helped give me a framework, a model for how to work through productivity through my day at that time. And as you probably are as well, you're probably inundated with all sorts of requests. You've got marketing to do, you've got sales to do, you've got fulfillment to do, you've got customers you got to deal with, you've got employees, payroll, all the things, right? How do you process through your day? One of the things I learned about, uh, productivity and getting things done. And I'll just share with you really quick. The, the, whole, the whole concept of the book is can literally put on one PDF. One of the best things I thought about and what I learned was if a task can be done in two minutes or less, get it done now. Don't schedule that for the future. So in other words, one of the filters is, is can this be done in two minutes or less? The thing that I need to do, can it be done in two minutes or less? That's the, one of the first filters. That was one thing that just still sticks to me to this day. I still talk to my team about it on a regular basis. Another key concept that I got out of the process of the book was this idea of, is this actionable or not? Actionable being the key word. With this thing that's coming in, as David Allen describes it, these are inputs, right? Today, we've got no shortage of input. We've got email. We've got in-mail on LinkedIn. We've got text messages. We've got voicemails. We've got phone calls. In some cases, some of us still have paper documents coming into our office. We have DMs on Instagram and YouTube and Twitter and everything, right? There's more inputs, as David Allen would describe it, than any time in history, probably, right? But is the input actionable or not? It's a split down the line. The next piece to it that was so fascinating for me, which I still think about to this day, is if it is actionable, do I need to do it or can someone else do it, right? You start to really pick up on, is this something that I must do? So there's a number of things that go along with this. I still share the one pager with all my team. I don't make my team use David Allen's formula. There are other formulas out there. There are other people you might be studying. If you're doing something well and successful and you don't feel overwhelmed with your daily productivity, great. But if not, I would recommend picking up a copy of Getting Things Done. I still send it to my team who want some help with productivity and time management. That's why it's number four. Book number five, simple idea told extremely elegantly with amazing case studies of how companies and industries have been disrupted by choosing to position your product in the market or your service in the market in a blue ocean versus a red ocean, right? Let's just keep it simple. A red ocean is a, a competitive marketplace full of sharks, literally you know, eating, eating at your, your pocketbook. They're taking away the clients. You're really just in a competitive market. And let's be clear, if you're going to be successful in business today, there's a good chance you have competition. You know, there's some rare occasions where you're going to start in a marketplace that has no competition. But let's be clear. If you're in a market that has no competition, you probably have a long road ahead of you and you've probably invented something completely game-changing, but that's not the vast majority of you. The vast majority of you are in industries 
that have been decades, if not hundreds of years old, and have lots of competition. So how do you go into a blue ocean and start to compete where your competitors aren't? How do you up in the competition? One of the examples I remember from the book had to do with Cirque du Soleil and how they came in. Pardon me if I said that wrong. Could be Cirque du Soleil. I'm not familiar with exactly the way you process it, although I see the shows here in Vegas all the time. But how did they come in and disrupt what had been the circus uh, model and industry for decades upon decades? And before you knew it, P.T. Barnum is gone, right? And Cirque du Soleil is the way we love to see circus today and the way we love to see acrobatics and the show put together. It's just fantastic. One thing I've thought about in service business models is from a red ocean standpoint and a blue ocean standpoint is what could we do? And by the way, at that time when I'm reading this book, I'm in the mortgage industry, right? If you're in the mortgage or real estate industry, it's it's pretty red ocean. It's just red ocean. It is what it is. How do you figure out how to carve out your blue ocean? There are some things we talk about inside the Mindship Business Academy, which I won't get into here. But one of the concepts that really served us well was a concept I created called the iceberg concept. And the iceberg concept simply meant is if you think about the iceberg and the, the thought process of an iceberg, 85 or 90% of the iceberg, science says, is, is underneath the water. You can't see it. 10 or 15% is above the water. Again, this is just a generality, right? What I started looking at in my marketplace was, what if the red ocean in my marketplace was all of the customers, meaning all of my competitors, and we were all competing for that 10 to 15% above the water that who had already raised their hand, who were interested in our product or service. And I started saying, hmm, it's really competitive up here when the person has already indicated they wanted to buy a home. They've already indicated that they wanted to get a mortgage. They had already filled out a loan app on whatever online website. And now we're all competing for that same customer. That to me was what I associated with a red ocean. And I said, well, where are those people beneath the water? Where is the part of the iceberg beneath the water? In my case, the iceberg are customers, prospective customers. And how could I reach them before they raised their hand up out of the water and became known to all of my competitors, which was the red ocean? That became the difference maker and how I shifted my marketing, my sales, my nurturing of my database and a concept that um, I thought of called return on relationship. And I started really focusing on the growth of my database and not the sales number. Again, we talk a lot more about the, the iceberg concept inside the MindShift Business Academy, MindShift community. And if you haven't come into our world or if you'd like to take a peek, just head over to mindshiftcommunity.com. You can come in there for free. And then if you want to take a look at the academy, uh, we can get you information on how to do that. But um, this idea of Red Ocean and Blue Ocean came out of the book, Blue Ocean Strategy. So much more, by the way, so much more in this book. That's just fantastic. But if you're in a competitive market, how can you create a blue ocean where you have less competition in an uncontested market space? And as a service-based entrepreneur, chances are, again, you're competing in a red ocean already. It's going to be easier if you find your blue ocean. So there you have it. Those are my five best books for service-based entrepreneurs that were written over 15 years ago, and I still think they're relevant today. Listen, what I've learned along my journey is that if one good idea, one big idea comes out of any book that you read at the price of that book, it is worth it. It is worth your time. And one thing I would recommend for entrepreneurs listening to this right now is you must, at the very minimum, keep building on your own personal development. Keep getting the information. Sure, I'm not saying you shouldn't join a mastermind. I'm not saying you shouldn't hire a coach. I'm not saying you shouldn't join an academy or community or buy an online training. What I would tell you 
is at the very bare minimum, you've got to pick up books that are relevant to what you're working on and what you're struggling through and get the one or two or three breakthrough ideas that could be talked about in your world 15 or 20 years later. Notice, I've read these books 20 years ago, practically. They all still have relevance today, even though we transition from an offline world to an online world. The principles are the same. But let's be clear, books are just not enough, and you know that, right? So I would invite you once again to come take a look at what we're doing with our live masterclasses to help service-based entrepreneurs grow each and every month. Head over to mindshiftcommunity.com and join there for free. And if you're not ready to come into the community right now, that's perfectly fine. If you've enjoyed today's content, hit the subscribe button and turn on the notification bell so you never miss an episode. And if you're up to it, send this to a friend who might need one of these books and what they're going through in their business right now. I'm Daryl Evans and I'll see you next time.